Welcome back to uh, the Get Punk Podcast from, I'm trying to think of how we're going to word this, from our holiday sabbatical. Um, we missed a couple months due to the holidays. We apologize for that. We should have. I should have put something up explaining that we were going to be gone. But, yeah, that's uh, all right. Yeah. They'll take it when we give it to them. How was how the end of your year? Wrap it up. All right. You good? Yeah. Yeah. I got no complaints. Good. Good. And, unless you want to hear them. <laughs> <laughs> I think got a few hours to spare. I mean, uh, we could, we could always spill the tea on this podcast, and I think people would, people would get into that. We might we might get uh, more listeners that way too. You know, we, we spill the tea. <laughs> Just us bitching for half an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, we're back, like I said, for the January episode. We're gonna have the news coming up in a, in a little bit. Um, before we do that, I want to just kind of take a moment and um let's reflect on this year's uh this past year's record club um okay if you all haven't heard getpunk.com has a pretty good record club where um mark here finds the uh the hidden gems of the world and sends them out to us and it's it's fantastic um you can yeah, the, uh, the idea is that it's not just a stock dump like a lot of places try to get you to sign up for something like this and then they just send you what they can't get rid of. Yeah. And that's not what we do. What we do, everybody gets the same thing. So it's actually like selections of the month. And it's pretty cool. I mean, people seem to like it. So I guess, you know, realistically, some months are probably better than others, uh, depending on people's tastes. But um, we try to also mix in a lot of variety. Yeah, so I, think I was going to say, thing. it's not just like, you're not just going to get, you know, a bunch of bands that sound the same over and over and over. You're going to get a variety of, of almost genre bending kind of, you know, it's all like punk adjacent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really the idea. And uh, some, usually it's new music, but every once in a while, at least once a year, we do a reissue um, something that's new to the market, but um, has probably been away for a long time uh, or something that's about to go out of print and I can get like the last of them. That's happened a few times. Yep. Um, but last year, as I'm looking over the list, it was all, relatively new music if not brand new music well let's let's hit that list let's just show let's just give these people a taste of what they're missing if they're not or we can revisit and um rekindle that love of the albums that came out through the year for the people who are members of the get punk record club all right so january 2022 was uh, a band called the dirty shrines which are members of um elway um that kicked off the year followed by february was heart and lungs a band on um, New Ridge Scare. In uh, March was, uh, I really like this one, in March was Doc Rotten. Um, we had them on this here a couple of weeks ago, months ago, I guess now. Yeah, yeah, a but ago. I mean, that, that album's just an explosion of energy. Yeah, that, um, that album's fantastic. Um, definitely one of the standouts for me that came out this year from the record club. Then April, we got Michael Caine in the Morning Afters. Another one. Which, I mean, yeah, I mean, that one came out on State Line, so the the incoming new releases from State Line do go out to the record club, um, so people kind of know to expect that. Um, but even with that said, I think Mike just um, he just hit a home run on every level of that album. I think so. I don't. I don't know. I haven't heard anybody who listened to it not like it. You know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah. And people still buy it now. Like I've noticed a, a spike again when people are buying the new Lenny Lashley album. There, some people are adding in mics um, that hadn't heard it yet or hadn't got it yet. Nice. Nice. Um, so, so in May, we got Capital Radio, who are from Salem, Massachusetts, my hometown here. Uh, in June, we got uh, Jesse Ahern, who was on one of the previous episodes of this podcast. Another, He's absolutely another, excellent. Yeah, another fantastic album that's like, like again, punk adjacent, right? It's not. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, Jesse's playing on an acoustic, you know, he's, uh, but it's all about the attitude, you know, he's, I, I don't know how he can go out on stage by himself like that, unless he's got like balls yeah. bigger than Sid Vicious. Yeah, and he's not, and like, we're not talking about like, he's not just going to like smaller venues, like he's opening for the Dropkick Murphys who are a stadium, a freaking arena band at this point, you know? <laughs> Definitely in Europe, they're huge. Yeah, yeah, so. He's going out there and playing to 20,000 people. Yeah, by himself. He just walks out there by himself with that acoustic guitar and just and just belts out a tune, man. Demands that demands the crowd like it's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean anybody who can do that gets my respect. But July, I think, is the one that you really were into. All deep ends. Yeah, this one is. Uh, I mean, I've talked about it on this podcast, on my other podcast, um, nonstop. It's a. Uh, it's it's a the product of what a mad scientist movie would be like you know it's just like there's just sounds coming at you from all different kinds of sounds coming at you and just just somehow making it all seem discombobulated but together all at once you know so everybody got to check them out i mean so it's spelled one word all deep ends but i think it's probably said like all depends you know it's kind of like there's a little bit of wordplay going on with their name. Yeah. Um, but if you're going to look it up online, it's one word, but it's all deep ends. And the, and the album's called Throwing a Pit to Nothing, which by that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is a cool title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, We got a big, a good back-to-back one because the next month was in August was New Junk City, who everybody seems to love. Mm. I mean, I saw them on so many top 10 lists at the end of the year. Really? Um, yeah, well, they also had a new album. That came out on Anti Flags label. Oh, okay. Um, but we got the previous one. Uh, the, the new one wasn't out at the time that yeah. this came out. So this sort of came out, got issued to all the members of the record club as sort of like a promo for their upcoming album. But the one that we got in August is just uh, um, Spotify is constantly trying to play those songs at me because it knows I like some. I like them a lot. Yeah, it's got like a um, almost like a nineties kind of kind of vibe to it too like with the i don't know if it's the vocals but you know what i'm saying yeah you know his um so they remind me in some ways of the replacements like um late 80s replacements like totally ramshackle and about to fall apart um and the singer reminds me of the guy from the gin blossoms that's saying hey jealousy yeah uh but uh, and i say that as a compliment i mean these i don't know these guys they may have never even heard of those bands that might be an insult to them yeah. but it's i don't mean it that way right right uh, they're fucking dynamite bands. There's going to be a lot more to be heard about them, I think. So they're from Atlanta. There's a lot of great bands coming out of Atlanta right now, but um, New Junk City. And then September was No Trigger. It was their first album back in 10 years. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, I wasn't ever into them. Um, this album was pretty good. I, I for you know, and, and they're right out of Worcester, huh? Yeah, allegedly. I mean, um, they, their album came out on Red Scare, who is like, a favorite of mine to go to for this record club, but um, yeah, they're out of Worcester, and um, I thought they were really good. Uh, yeah. I didn't know much about them on their stuff from ten years ago, uh, but I like this one. 
I guess they were pretty popular. They're pretty popular. I don't know. Mm. That's what I, I mean. Everyone, everyone seems to have known about them that I know, except for me. So yeah, they seem to be very popular in certain circles. Yeah. And, um, the, uh, the record label that released it was kind enough to give me, um, access to color vinyl and a shitload of those fucking things sold on top of what went to the record. Club, so uh, they, I agree with you. They're very popular. I'm, I'll say this too about the record club. Um, I'll interject with this real quick, but like, um, yeah, you do from time to time. We do get like the colored vinyls, the exclusive ones. Um, that's always pretty rad to see. You know, um, I know. I think one time I got like an autographed record that came from you. Yeah, they've they've done some. We've done some cool things, but it's, it's oftentimes it's a label that makes that decision. They'll say like how about I'll give you half of this and half of that? And like, absolutely. Cause yeah. then, then it gets into a sort of a thing where like the people that receive one version versus the other, you know, they might want to pursue getting the other version that they didn't get. And I want to say it was probably last year. You sent, um, was it the pegs album that came out and it was like a limited edition one. Okay. We did do the pegs. I, don't, um, I had one that I I was like I can't open this because it was like numbered on the on the wrapper like it was a one of or whatever it was like you know number oh number blah 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 of 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 however many they made and I was like I can't open this now because it's 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 to oh me, it could to, have been that one to me it was like a, I've listened to it on like Spotify and stuff but I have the record but I won't I won't open it because it's gonna ruin that <laughs> you know okay. what I mean yeah I'm, yeah I'm, I'm yeah. crazy like that. It depends where they put the numbering. Sometimes the numbering's inside, uh, inside the plastic, and then that's okay. But if they put the numbering on the plastic, then you kind of can't open it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, that that was from yeah. But yeah, you get you get some you get you get you know the the record club would get some stuff like that, and that I enjoy that stuff. Um, being a collector, you know, so it's definitely yeah. cool. One standout this year was um, that all depend all deep ends record came from Scotland. Yep. So that was an import. And uh, for example, that one would have cost a hell of a lot more to buy it if you weren't part of the record club. Um, so sometimes you get things like that. And that same thing happened in October when we got Jeff Palmer's record of, it was him covering Didi Ramone's rap album. Yeah. But it wasn't a rap album. He no. did it like in Jeff Palmer pop punk style. Yeah. Sort of like Ramon style. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. It was very interesting. I actually listened to that one more than most of the others because I had to kind of like listen to his version of it. And then I would put on the D.E. Ramon version. And some of them were, some of them weren't like that much of a departure, but it was just enough to make it new and cool. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know. It was a really good idea. Uh, they sold me on that one with just the concept without even hearing it. Like, wait a minute, Jeff Palmer's going to make D.E. Ramon's fucking rap album. Yeah. Like, yes, I want that. Absolutely. Like everybody would like to hear that just as a curiosity. Right. Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause like I, I had, um, I had someone on the other podcast and, uh, they were helping, they were helping Jeff with that one. And, um, it was so like afterwards we were just talking about it cause we, we could, I couldn't put it out there, you know, but it was like how I, it was like a, you know, a run of, a run of punk bands who would always cover a Ramones album or like a solo, one of their solo albums. And, and, and Jeff picked like, like, I guess that DD Ramone album, like was a big flop. So, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it was. So, so he he like he he wanted that one specifically. You know what I mean? Like he wanted to do that one. You know? Yeah. So I I thought it was a brilliant idea. He's right. In the nineties, like everybody, the Queers, the Riverdales, all these bands did like full on Ramones tribute albums where they would just re-record a Ramones album. Who in their right mind 
would redo the Didi Ramon rap album, but Jeff Palmer. And he did it well. <laughs> yeah. So in November, we got um, a brand new release at the time. Sometimes we get things that are out like same day as release. And that's what happened with Lenny Lashley's Gang of One and uh, his latest album, which is, you know, everybody seems to love that one. Everybody loves him. He's yeah. just he's just one of those guys that you can relate to. And um, he just comes across as so authentic on tape that um, people dig everything he does. And that's, you know, there was no no changes there. That's exactly how people responded to that one. And then in December, we ended the year with Dead 77, who are kind of like a casualties, unseen, stolen wheelchairs type of punk rock band. Yeah. And uh, yeah. they're kind of on their way up right now. They're doing a lot of shows, traveling to Europe. They're really working hard. Um, getting out there and i think people are going to hear about them a lot more in the coming years yeah i started hearing rumblings about them about a i don't know a couple months ago and um you know when this one popped up i was like oh let's check it out and and i, I like the the splatter the splatter of it you know the the color vinyl of that of uh that one yeah i think there were a couple of variations of that one as yeah. well oh so they're random you like you get like a mix of them so sometimes like the record label will send me, yeah, like some, um, you know, half and half of two different variations. And I, I just mix them up blindly. Right. right Cause right. the way, the way I package them, um, I, they create the packages before anybody's address is affixed to it. So I don't know who will end up getting it. Yep. I'm just sticking stickers on at the end. Yep. You know, how I, I know that, you know, how I know he's not, he's, he's telling the truth about that is because he sends me stickers of my other podcasts in every order. Yeah. <laughs> So that's one of the things is since Get Punk is considered to be a sponsor of the struggling artist, yeah. I always put two stickers in there. And I know that like most of the people that are with the record club have been with it for a long time. So they've seen those stickers every month for a long time. But yeah. I still figure it's worth it because this might be the month that they finally check it out. Yeah. And then there's always new people coming in too. So we want to get them. And with a QR code on there, they can slap it on a on a on a on a bar wall or something and someone yeah. can go, Oh, what's that? And scan it. Oh, there that, we are, you know. That's very true. If you're in the record club and you get those stickers and you wonder what to do with them, put them up somewhere and spread the word. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um Yeah, it was a good year, man. That was a good year. Um Yeah, and hopefully this year will continue. Now the only one I can divulge that we're gonna get is the Danny Carney uh Chainsaw Symphony. Yeah, yeah. Um because that's gonna partially come out on pseudo state line. Yeah. Which really means Danny's pressing it. He slapped the state line logo on there and I'm paying for half the pressing. And um, but it's gonna go out to the record club. So that, that's the only one that they'll know in advance is coming to them for sure. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. I love that guy's stuff. Oh man, you know, actually let's take a moment to just talk about his stuff because it that roll the tanks album that he did on Epitaph, to me, that thing should have been a massive hit. Um, it's called Broke Till Midnight, and Epitaph put it out a few years ago. And, you know, even though you put an album out on a big label, doesn't mean things are going to happen. But um, it is available out there to the extent that Epitaph, you know, the wide umbrella that Epitaph, or the wide net that um, Epitaph casts, it's out there. You can find it. It's Roll the Tanks, Broke Till Midnight. And then Danny has just started doing a ton of solo stuff. I mean, he's just, he seems like a bottomless pit of songs. Yeah. And they're all, they're all good. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah. Every single one of them. He put out like um, um, he put out a cassette tape, and it was all like, it was like thirty songs on a, on a cassette tape. There was like thirty songs, and it was uh, it was just all stuff like it was stuff that he had demoed, and like never really did anything with. 
you know so he so he's got this like this 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 tank of of just stuff that he's that he's got already like that he's already done and never did anything with too so it's crazy it's yeah so one of the one of the big things about this upcoming album that he's got coming out which i think is called 10 beer queer yeah i suggested maybe he changed the name of that but i'm not like one of those um uh labels that wants to like censor people right. but you know th- they used to say that term like especially growing up in charleston like you're a free bear queer yeah. nobody's a 10 bear queer. right you're, right, you're right, a 10 right. bear king yeah yeah you're, <laughs> but, you're, um, you're a 10 10 beer bear you know you're yeah, you're, yeah. you're a monster yeah <laughs> um but at that recording he did uh the drums are played by pete sosa who is in the street dogs yeah. and um the reason that uh, danny and him got together is because they had played in cj ramon's band and that's where they connected. So this is sort of like a mini reunion for those two guys to get back together and do some songs together. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. It's a good record. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it. Um, I don't know when it's coming out. Don't tell us. <laughs> well, he already announced it, but um, oh, yeah. I, I got to follow up with like a news blast out to everybody that follows Dateline. All right, we're going to take a quick break and let Chris Chavez hit us up with the Get Punk News, and we'll be back. What's up, everybody? This is Chris Chavez, and I'm here with your Get Punk Podcast News for January 2023. Kicking off the new year with a bang, hardcore supergroup Off debuted Free LSD, a feature film of the same name as their most recent full-length album, at the 29th Slam Dance Film Festival held in Park City and Salt Lake City, Utah, from January 20th to 26th. Written and directed by Off's Dimitri Coates, and described as a punk-infused sci-fi midnight movie, The film stars Keith Morris and features Jack Black of Tenacious D, David Yao of Jesus Lizard, Davey Havoc of AFI, Don Bowles of The Germs, Xander Schloss of The Circle Jerks, and many more. Looking at 2023 as the start of the end, NoFX announces initial dates for their farewell tour. Fat Mike states, quote, This is not a final tour like Motley Crue or Black Sabbath. These are the very last shows NoFX will ever be playing. We are going to play with all our hearts with all our joy, and then we are done. We are done done, end quote. The tour will hit 40 cities around the world beginning on April 22nd and ending in Los Angeles in October of 2024. The band plans to play 40 songs a night, including full albums and rarities, promising to never repeat a set list to ensure that each show is unique. In other news, Swedish garage punks The Dommers have released the second single Black Widow off their upcoming Ghouls in the Garage EP. USA's Spaghetti Town Records and Spain's Ghost Highway Recordings are co-releasing the vinyl single later this year. Also recently released, Susie Moon dropped a surprise video with Platinum Blonde, a cover of a cocksparer tune from the album What's It Like to Be 50, released by Pirate Press Records as a gift to cocksparer in celebration of 50 years as a band. Finally, Anti-Flag have released their 13th LP, Lies They Tell Our Children, The concept album sees guest appearances by members of Rise Against, Bad Religion, Bad Cop, Bad Cop, Die Totenhosen, Pink Shift, and more. Focusing on a range of subjects from universal healthcare to environmental preservation, the band states, quote, The approach we took going into writing this record was to trace back the beginning of these issues, to have a better understanding of how we can confront them and how little amount of time they have actually been in existence. What you will continually find is that all of these issues come back to a simple idea putting profit above people and now it's time for the get punk record club review since the last episode of the get punk podcast record club members have received three killer and completely unique albums to add to their vinyl collections first october saw the arrival of standing in the spotlight by jeff palmer 
This tribute album, covering a record that found Didi Ramone rapping as his alter ego Didi King, was an unexpected breath of fresh air. If you've never heard the original, make sure you check it out, just so you can appreciate the time and care put into the newest rendition of late 80s classics, such as Too Much to Drink, Commotion in the Ocean, and Brooklyn Babe. Palmer absolutely nails the vibe on Standing in the Spotlight, and this vinyl makes a great addition to any enthusiast's collection. Next up in November, Record Club members received a copy of the new release from Lenny Lashley's Gang of One, Five Great Egrets. Jam-packed with track after track of good old-fashioned Americana rock and roll with punk undertones, Five Great Egrets marks another solid installment from the former Darkbuster vocalist. Tracks like Not Sorry, Heart of Stone, and It Got So Dark charge ahead with the energy and fervor of Matthew Sweet in his prime, while songs like Joe, The Ballad of Park Your Carcass, and Mexico prove that Lashley can handle slowing things down with the greatest of ease. This album will easily make it on the list for top albums of the year. And finally, the year ended with Demons from Dead 77. This album transports you to the days of 80s hardcore punk rock. Fast, melodic, and full of powerful aggression, Demons takes off from the opening chords of the first track, WLF, to the fade-out of the last track, Step Away, and doesn't hold back. Clocking in at one second over 25 minutes, the album punches you in the face, kicks you in the teeth, and then has you begging for more. You want to feel like a rebellious punk looking for trouble? This is the album to listen to. And there you have it, your Get Punk news for January 2023. Make sure to head over to GetPunk.com to renew your record club membership or to sign up if you haven't done so yet. And until next time, this has been Chris Chavez for the Get Punk Podcast. See you on the flip side. You and I were talking about uh, just like the pros and cons of streaming recently. And um, I don't know, where, where are you at with that? You're against it? You're for it? You obviously use Spotify. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I, 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 I primarily use Bandcamp for like a lot of things, right? I use Bandcamp. Uh, if, if I like an album, I'm going to go buy it on Bandcamp right away. If there's like a vinyl for it, even better. You know, a cassette, yeah, I might grab it too. If you're if if the only way I can I can buy your digital album is if you've got a compact disc with it, then that's fine. I'll buy that. You know what I mean? But um I primarily I do. I buy a lot of stuff on on Bandcamp. And in and, and the good thing about Bandcamp too is you can actually try it out too. Like you don't have to like you can try out this and and you can listen to it for free, you know? Yeah. Um now with that said, after a certain amount of times they're like, Hey, you've been listening to this quite a bit, it's time to buy it. You know what I mean? Like they, you know, so, uh, Spotify spot. I have Spotify. I have Spotify. Do I use it? Yes, I use it. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, again, it's not, it's, it's more or less like if I just want to put like something on like a playlist on or something, I just, I hit up Spotify and just do that. You know, if there's something that I can't find on Bandcamp and it's on Spotify, I'm going to check it out on Bandcamp because that's, you know, that's just how things work. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, like, that's what I use it for. Um, if you want to go back, like, like, all right, so let's let's go with this. Like, So the Spotify wrap-ups that came out this year, right? Yeah. And this is, like, the third year, I think, second or third year they've done them. And, and this year, um, you know, every year they make it, like, a little bit different. You know what I'm saying? Like, this year was a festival. Like, it was, this is what your three-day festival would be using going off of what you listen to right and it's got day one day two day three and they got all this music in there and this and that 
Um, by the way, you would have to do double duty if you were <laughs> if my festival was a thing. Um, Sorry. For some reason, Ducky Boys were on there twice, but. <laughs> um, and then they suddenly cancel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so, so, um, you know, they, so everyone like got this thing and it was a cool, it was a cool little thing, you know, like, again, they make it every year. They're going to have to do something a little bit different to make it, make it worth people like looking at. Right. And this year was festivals and, and, um, yeah. And, and, and everyone posted their festivals on their social medias and stuff. And I, I did one just to see what it was and I wasn't going to post it. And then I was like, fuck it. I'll post it. Cause like mine outside. of So they put two bands on mine that I didn't even know. I don't know who they are. So I don't know how that got there, but like, but like mine was just all like bands. Like I've talked to bands, you know what I mean? Like bands that I support and, and, yeah. and, in every single band I have, I, I own their stuff in digital or, or, you know, physical media already. So for me, I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's the same thing. Like it's, it's whatever I listen to. Right. Cause I'm, I am who I am. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't claim to do one thing and then do another, you know? So, um, but then like people started posting like these, like they were like almost shaming people for using Spotify. Yeah. Uh, did you see those? Like they, it looked yeah. like, it looked like the Spotify wrap up fest thing. And then it just got into like how, how, how shitty, they, how shitty how, they treat the artists. How, what, what did you say? Like 11,000 plays got like 30 cents or something like that. Or So my wrap up year end said that I listened to um, 31 solid days of music so 31 days times 24 hours and it also said the number of songs so i took the number of songs and i multiplied it by the amount they pay per song and it was like it was like under 12 dollars yeah so i spent 120 dollars to have spotify pay 10 bucks a month right but only 12 dollars went to the dance and of that like spread out you know yeah and i mean i listened to nine days at 24 hours nine days of acdc so they're getting like three bucks out of me. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, you know, so they do pay shit. But there is another way to look at it, which I, I mentioned to you before, is like back in 1988, I bought the compact disc of Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. Now, what was it, 12 bucks? They've only got 12 bucks out of me ever for that. And I must have listened to that thing a billion times. Like if they would, if I was having to pay even like a fraction of a penny every time I listened to it, I should have given them five hundred dollars a long time ago. So there, there is, yeah, they're they're not they don't pay well, but I think the bands that get a shitload of plays get a shitload of money, right? Um, because it it really is it's not that much different if you think about it between buying a physical product and then owning it for the rest of your life and uh, just listening to something on a regular basis. It, it kind of makes sense in a way when you think about it. You're not paying for the money up front. You're paying for performance. So, like, if a band keeps bringing you back, like ACDC brings me back, they're going to keep getting money out of me right. um, or out of my account, I guess. Um, and if you're the type of band that can only get the sale up front because your friends might buy it and nobody's ever going to listen to it, well, then you're, you're not going to like Spotify very much. Um, but I guess they're their business model sort of makes sense when you think of it that way. Um, because if you paid for a CD and you had it for the rest of your life, how much would it, how much would you really be paying the band per listen? Right. And it's probably 
the same as what Spotify takes. Yeah. Yeah. If you break it down like that. Yeah. And, 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 and like, there's more to it too. Like just from like, you know, I don't know this. We, we are in this like weird, we're in this weird space nowadays where like, is Spotify great? Like for what they do? No, they're, they're assholes. Like, right. I mean, we want the, of course we all want the artists to be filthy fucking rich. Right. That's not where we are anymore though with music. Like it's just not there. It's not there anymore unless you're a Taylor Swift. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. You know, so like to shame, to sh- it's it's like shaming the common folk for, for stuff that like the powers that be are doing. Like don't, maybe someone could only afford their, their Spotify subscription. Maybe they can't afford to go and buy albums and go to shows. You know what I mean? I know when like Napster came out, I was broke. I couldn't go out and buy. It was very rare that I bought an album. I, I, I stole the shit out of music. I'm not going <laughs> to Yeah, but you've more than made up for it no, in the past yeah, few years. I, I, I stole your albums. You know what I mean? Back then, like I didn't like I didn't have the money to, but when I did the money, of course I bought them. You know what I mean? I bought them 10 times over. Like, cause I, yeah, you CDs, did. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 well, I mean, even with, like with CDs, like I bought I bought your CDs before, you know? So like, like it, it's a, like to me, it's always been about like let me hear it and then i if i have to go because again back remember when cds were 20 bucks like that's a lot of that was a lot of money back then especially for someone who was fucking broke 19 and broke you know what i mean so and then you had to risk it by buying the thing before you even heard any of the songs except maybe the single yeah yeah and it could it could suck do you know how many how many fucking cds i bought that absolutely sucked because they had like one song on the radio that was good yeah so so many 90 percent of the 90s (laughs) yeah yeah because that's how they would hook you they'd hook you with these songs on the radio you go buy the album the only time i've ever seen that work in the opposite was um uh the band the nixons had that had that song on the radio called sister and it was like this like 90s like 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 soft fucking you know sad bastard kind of song and i went and bought the album and it was hard as fuck. And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> that was the only time it's ever worked in the opposite for me. But no, it's just one of the, it, like, again, and I was broke, man. I was, you know, I was, I was poor. So, uh, did I use like, did I use Napster? Yes. Did I use like the torrent sites? Yes. But I also went out and bought the albums when I could, you know? So there's, there's a, there's a fine line there, but like, like if some nowadays they don't have like, I don't even think you can illegally download music anymore. Maybe you can, I don't know. But like, if like if if you if a person can afford 10 bucks a month to listen to the music they like you can't shame them for that you know what i mean like that that i'm, yeah. I'm a little tired of like that and that's a form of gatekeeping at this point like you okay so in a in a <laughs> in a community where the motto is eat the rich right you're going to you're going to shit on someone for not being able to afford to buy your album they have to listen to it on a streaming service I'm not gonna. I love the fucking Spotify. Yeah, I, I love that shit, man. I bought it. I started buying it for the label so that like we could host um, um, playlists and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, and uh, it's it's turned out to be like my go-to. I, I play that shit all the friggin' yeah. time. And like, and, and and like, honestly, so like, I remember Spotify had sent like an email to me um, a couple years ago or a year ago, and it was like, "Would you pay more if we got a better?" better um like quality sound because they're well, spotify doesn't have the best like streaming sound at all um i i i think i think Bandcamp's 
Bandcamp streaming yeah. is, is far superior as far as sound. To the point where, like, that's why Neil Young left. Like, that was one of the big reasons why Neil Young left. It wasn't just because of Joe Rogan. Like, he, his music, he wants his music to sound the best when it comes out of wherever it's coming from. And that's why he took his, that's one of the big reasons why he took his stuff off of Spotify because he didn't like the way it sounded. And, um, but the Joe Rogan, you know, the Joe Rogan aspect was like the, the, the more popular kind of, you know what yeah. I mean? It was the juicier kind of story. So, so that part got, got left out, but, um, but you know, Spotify, like spot, I mean, all of them, Spotify, Apple, Amazon. Um, I don't know. I don't know if any of title, I think is one of them. I don't know. Like it's, they're all essentially kind of the same thing in, in like, and, and this is where when artists sit there and say, well, I won't put my music on those streaming platforms. Like, you have to like you, you, yeah. how else are you going to get it out there you know so what I art mean? thieves pulled theirs from those sorts of streaming services and i think it's fucking stupid but um you know like i said earlier i'm never going to tell a band what they can do and can't do it's their music right right um but i bet they'll come back and have them back up there again yeah i mean you just you can't as an independent artist I, I just unless you're Neil Young, <laughs> you know what I mean. You have money like that, like or 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 that kind of clout. You're not going to get your music out there any other way. I don't. I really just don't see how you can do it. I really don't and see how you can do it. I'm also very confident that um, not everybody's getting paid the same rate. You know, there's there's absolutely no way that Joe Schmo local band like me is getting the same pay rate as Metallica or U2 or something like. I'm oh, sure I'm, they're getting they, a hell of a lot more. They're definitely getting. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, somebody like ACDC, they didn't even release their stuff to streaming or even digital services until a few years ago. Um, they held out for a really long time after everybody else had thrown in the towel and accepted it. So they must have come, they must have negotiated a very good deal in order to come out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's, there's no way that everybody's getting paid at that same level. So so my my entry into, into the, the Boston punk community was um go like going to the Dropkick Murphy shows in those early days, like well my early days, which would be like two thousands, you know, early two thousands, and and that's where I discovered like the Ducky Boys. That's where I discovered because they used to bring yeah. you know they used to do it like the Butter Whiskey and um, the Horror yep. Pops and blah blah blah. But like then it went to all right, cool. At the time, the only thing we had for um for streaming was um Pandora. Do you remember Pandora? Yeah. So I would do like a Dropkick Murphy station, and and like I would then I would he, I would discover all these other bands from Boston too, um, you know you, like you guys were on there, but like um, uh, uh, the Blue Bloods were on there, you know what I mean? So like like the Blue Bloods are on there, and, and the Welch Boys, and like all these other bands, all these other bands that like I had no idea existed. And, yeah. and they weren't all from Boston either. Like they were like, like, um, you know, the tossers, I learned about the tossers, flat foot mm-hmm. six. Um, I'm just, uh, the blackguards. Like I, I, all these fucking bands, like from all over the place. And it was cool. And like, that's a lot of, and, and, and that was, you know, I mean, that was like a few years after me first starting getting into the music in Boston and stuff. But like, that was, um, that, that opened up the doors for me, you know? Yeah, totally. So, yeah. so you can't, you just plus drop kick Murphy. So that, huh? They're responsible for so many so many bands even being recognized or known. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So but, I mean, yeah, I mean, the tools it. are what they are. You can't you, know? you can't dismiss it. You know what I mean? It's not it's not the listener's fault that fucking Spotify doesn't pay you know proper rates to everybody. You just 
you know? Hey, if I could, if I could uh, make them do it the way I want it out of my 10 bucks, they'd pay like eight bucks out to the, to the bands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's not, it's not the user that has to say in that matter. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And again, for, for, for anyone like, you know, if, if you're an, if you're an artist and you got a band and, and you don't want to be on Spotify because of that, like I get it. But at the same time, like you're only hurting yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Simmer down. You're like, you're not going to be, it, there's no way to get exposure any other way. You know, there's just no yeah. way to get exposure. They don't, they don't, the radio isn't weird anymore. Like it used to be. It doesn't play, it doesn't play local stuff. It doesn't, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, you can't go to the record. You can't go to a, a radio station with your, like with your, with your, you know, demo or whatever. And be like, Hey, can you guys play that? You know what I mean? It's not like that anymore. Um, it much like the record industry, they were bought out by by major companies, and they and they monopolize it. They that's why the radio only plays the hits. They only play what people want to hear: classic rock, country music, sports. You know, like that's that's all it really yeah. is: pop music. You know, that's all you're gonna get because it's just the way it is. And and again, if I mean, if if it, if it was as easy as to just be like, if everyone just stopped using Spotify, they'd have to pay the artists more. It would happen, but no one's ever going to stop listening to it. No one's ever going to stop using it. And they might not even, they might not be like, no, or if you don't want to listen to it anymore, fine, we'll cash out now, you know? Yeah. What happens when there's no, no option like that, then yeah. everybody's just fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're just going to be playing to the same people over and over and over, which is fine too, if that's what you want to do. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're looking to get exposure, like you have to do this, you have to, it's, it's, it sucks, but it's, it's just the way it is. Right. Mm-hmm. So, it is. Yeah, that, I, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> and rant. <laughs> and, and rant. And rant. Yeah. That was a good one. So I mean, um, it's tough, but it's not. You know what I mean? It, I mean, it's 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 it sucks, but it but at the same time, it's it's it is doing other things for you. And like you said, I'm sure Taylor Swift and Metallica and all of them are making more money off of it. Um, you know, I remember there's a there's a rapper I I liked from from like the '90s and stuff. Uh, too short. And he's and he just lives. He says like all of his money he makes off of off of streaming, like he makes tons of money off of streaming. You know why? He's a nationally recognized hip hop artist who's you know won awards and been around forever. He's been around since like eighty eighty nine, I think. You know it is what it is. You know it just it sucks, but um, you know the the goal is to get the people who listen to your music on the Spotify to get them to get to your Bandcamp, get them to get out to see you. Um, but don't shit on them because that's all their that's all their options. I agree. All right, coming up now here on the Get Punk Podcast, you're going to hear a little bit of a, an old friend of mine, uh, an excellent band that has been around for 25 years now. They're called Amberetta from Richmond, Virginia. And take it away, Rob. Yeah, so the band started in 1996. Uh, Russ, the drummer, and myself were in a band before that called Inquisition. It had members of uh, Strike Anywhere. So a lot of people, I'm sure, have heard heard of Strike Anywhere. So Thomas, the singer, was in the band. Um, Mark Avery was in the band. Also, he played guitar. He later formed a band called River City High that I think a lot of people have heard of. Also, he's he's now in the film industry, so he's, he's not really playing music anymore. But... Um, so fall of 1996 inquisition comes home from a kind of long tour we've been touring like crazy for a handful of years 
not really taking breaks. I think we were, we were tired of each other. And I, I think just some of us were wanting to try new things. Um, so the band kind of broke up without really any sort of announcement. We, we played a show here in town in Richmond. Um, and at the end of the show, we were just like, okay, I think that was it. You know, it was, and it was an awesome show. I think if, if you're, if you're in a band and you're going to end a show, it was us, um, AFI opened up for us actually. And a band called the P tanks out of Maryland. So it was like an amazing show. And, uh, we just kind of ended on a high note by October of 96 and Beretta was formed and we were playing shows. Beretta literally started touring within like three months of the band forming. People ask us all the time, how'd you come up with the name of the band? And there's really no um, rhyme or reason to it. We were active in the scene. You know, we we knew all the club owners um, and all the promoters in town from from bands that we were in before. Some of the other members, the first, uh, the founding members of Beretta were also in other bands. And um we were just sitting at one of our clubs, a club called Twisters here in town and the promoter and the bartender, you know, he, he came up to us and he was like, all right, guys, I hear you have a new band. I've got Weston coming into town in three weeks. I want you on the show. What's, what are you called? And we were like, we just started. We don't have a name yet. Um, so he's like, okay, cool. If you want the show, you're not leaving here until you, until you have a name. And he just started feeding us beer and, we're looking around, you know, the wall, there's flyers all over the wall. There was a band in the nineties. I don't know if, if anyone remembers this band. I don't really remember any of their songs necessarily, but I remember the name. It was Picasso trigger was the name of this band in the nineties. And they had a flyer up and we kind of, that, that was right in front of us, right across the bar from us. And I was like, you know, that's like a really cool, there's something about that. That's cool. It's like, there's this artist Picasso. There's this like trigger, like could be a gun, could be something like I, I thought the dichotomy of the two words coming together was kind of interesting. So we just started to riff on that. That started getting me thinking too, you know, I was, I was in art school at the time and I was, I'm a toy collector. I'm a comic collector. And I was thinking, well, what if the band name had a character? And at some point we could have a comic book, we could have a toy, we could have something that's bigger than the music. We could create a character out of this, this name. And, um, I think after a bunch of failed attempts and things that just weren't sticking, suddenly I don't know where Anne came from. I don't know where Beretta came from, but the two things just kind of came out of one or several of our mouths at the same time. Um, and it just, it just immediately stuck.
from 96 to 2000, late 2003, early 2004, I mean, we were just a touring machine. We toured anywhere from eight to 10 months out of every year. That's how it was in the nineties. You know, like we, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have social media. We didn't have all of these, you know, ways of getting music out. Um, So the only way people heard of you was by playing live and touring. So we just made it a mission to not stop touring Um, to the degree where most of us didn't have homes to come back to, you know, we, we would just sleep on our friends' couches or, you know, we had a band house for a little while where a bunch of us lived, but, um, you know, it was just, it was easy. Everything was paid for and kind of taken care of while you were, you're touring. So for us, it was like, let's get the music out to the masses or as many people as, as we can let's, you know, stay on the road. So that took us to like two, like I said, late 2003, early 2004, I think we were just, we were worn out. It was another scenario where we were just tired. It wasn't that we were tired of each other. We were just tired. And I think we were starting to see that was about the time where the industry was really changing. The music industry was changing things like YouTube were taking off, you know, there was MySpace, but like Facebook was now taking off. So there was, there were these kind of new things happening where, you know, in the industry, it was like, it was very common for bands to get a record deal, but now the labels, because people are downloading the music or expecting the music for free or trading the music, you know, things like Napster or whatever, um, the record labels started deciding, okay, well, we have to make money. So we're going to take part of your ticket sales at your shows. We're going to take part of your merch sales. We want you to give us a percentage of everything. And um, it just, it didn't, it didn't sit well with me. I think it, it was one of the things that was part of us stopping too. But I think we just kind of saw this like new era coming and it was questionable whether or not we could be a part of it or would be a part of it. That was a really interesting time and a real difficult time. For, I, I think I've, I've talked to a bunch of people about this recently, other people who kind of experienced the same thing, but, you know, we were moving at such a pace constantly that when you stopped, I don't think any of us knew what to do. I certainly didn't, you know, like we were, we were touring all the time. So being, being at home for a couple of weeks was like a foreign concept, you know, being in the same city for more than a couple of days was something that I hadn't experienced in a decade almost, you know? So like, it was this kind of thing of, okay, I'm not moving now. What do I do? I'm not in a different place. What do I do? Okay. My whole like persona and what people know me for is being in the front of this band I don't have that. What do I do? Um, and, you know, personally, like I, I went into probably a year of just like real heavy depression. I didn't know who I was or what I wanted to be when I grew up, you know, type of thing. I went back to school. I don't think I picked up a guitar for like a year. Um, and, you know, it was rough. It was really rough. But I think, I think going through that and getting to the other end of it and wanting to pick up a guitar again, wanting to write songs again, um, brought me back to, you know, I was doing like singer songwriter stuff. I was had solo record that, that had come out around 2000. Um, so I just, I just wanted to do something slightly different. And so I started writing songs again, but didn't want to just do it by myself, you know, so who am I going to reach out to you, but my bandmates, with this idea of like, Hey, I've, I've got these songs. They're slower. They're more singer songwriter, but now that's pretty popular. So let's do something different with it. I'd rather do it with a full band than just make 
make a record by myself. Um, so we just kind of became, we kind of turned Ann Beretta into this other band, you know, that's playing more like Springsteen, singer songwriter, Ryan Adams type stuff. really wasn't until a year later when the pandemic hit um i think most people will remember there was you know when everything shut down i don't think any of us thought the pandemic was going to last longer than a few weeks or a month or two whatever um but there was a lot of people doing things on social media like you know just uh what were they quarantines it was i think what everyone was calling them right like just sitting in your house playing on an acoustic guitar and posting it on social media and so I thought, you know, like, I'll do that. I'll, I'll jump in on that bandwagon. And um, I played a few like online shows, you know, that was kind of cool for a minute. There was like festivals being put together where bands or 
musicians from all over the world were playing in the same same show on the same night as part of the the same lineup and it was it was kind of cool so i did a few of those um but i started doing this thing where every day i would revisit an old song maybe a song that I hadn't played in a decade maybe a song that had never been played live and i just decided i'm going to try to wing this i'm going to it's one take it's going to be what it's going to be and i'll just put it out there and so after a couple of days couple you know maybe a week of doing this there were people coming in and checking in every day like what are you doing today and starting to make requests and so this was kind of a cool way where like i was reengaging with an audience in a way that i hadn't ever before but just hadn't had a chance to in a long time um having conversations with people kind of again kind of all over the world reaching out like oh you we try this one this is my favorite song will you do that one off of whatever record and so what i thought would would turn would be like a, a week or two of an experiment turned out to be 60 days. And so I went 60 days somewhat consecutively. I think at some point I was like, I need to take weekends off. So I would just do Monday through Friday or whatever. Um, but I did 60 days. And at the end of that, I was like, I felt like I had practiced enough. I had started to engage with an audience in a new way. There was all of the crazy craziness of the world that was going on. I felt like I finally had inspiration. I finally had something to say. I finally had something I wanted to respond to the things that were going on in the world. Um, and so at day 60, I, I made that announcement. I'm going to write new songs. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to go try to write new songs. Um, TBD. We'll see what happens. And within two weeks I had a record written and it was still at a time where, you know, I think it had 20 songs written in about two weeks. Um, writing the record was very different because again, we were still amidst the pandemic. It was, I don't think vaccines were really fully available for everyone yet. So it was hard for us to feel safe getting back together. It was hard to get in the studio. We've always written records in the practice space uh, in a live setting. And we've always riffed off of each other. I think thinking back, it's maybe why some of the songs are like way too long or some of the songs have like these random odd parts that maybe don't fit in, but we were always reacting in a live setting. So they all made sense to us. And I think made sense to an audience if you, when you listen to them, but when you think about like songwriting kind of one-on-one stuff, you know, some of the songs are a little too long or what have you, but this is a very different way of writing. So I sat down and just like everyone else, I, I had pro tools on my laptop. I could sit down and throw down some tracks, put some ideas together. Um, one of our, our second guitar player in the band, Pedro has a studio at his house. So I would send him files. He would put like a drum loop together just to have something to build off of. I'd get sent back. I'd start playing some bass to it. I'd send it off to Russ to listen to and get his ideas so he could start thinking about the drums he wanted to play to the songs um give me feedback what if we put this part here what if we move that there and so we would do some of that editing um and i think at a point we had you know like 15 songs that we felt really good about and so russ and i got in a closet size practice space that we rented for like a month just so he and i could meet like twice a week and um and play the songs through because we hadn't played together in a year or more um we had never played these songs together so at least he and i could get together and get the song structure down and then we had a studio date so we just went into the studio and started cranking out the songs but 
what was different here too was that we didn't typically, you know, in the 90s, early 2000s, we would have a set amount of money and a set amount of time. You can only spend a week in the studio and you've got to make this record. And so when you do that, like there's an urgency there, there's an energy there, but we didn't, we never really used the studio to our full advantage in the old days. We never really experimented. We never, um, in the studio anyway, and we never had a chance to um, just try new things. So we went in with, again, with this idea of we own this, we're not beholden to a timeline, to a budget. We've got a studio in house, you know, that one of the band members has, and it's, it's not a bedroom studio. It's like a legitimate studio that he works out of. Um, so we just would go in, we laid down the basic tracks. And then from that point forward, one or two of us would go in a couple hours here, a couple hours there. I'd go in after work and we would all just start throwing things down and kind of experimenting and then leaving ideas for the next person that came in to respond to. So we weren't doing it live, but we were still doing that. Like, here's an idea. Here's something to bounce and I, you know, bounce off of you. Now that you're coming in, you're hearing it for the first time. And it's like, Oh shit, that's, that's cool. Never done anything like that before. Let's, let's add this. So we just found ourselves in like experimentation mode with the record. We found ourselves like, because we didn't have any kind of rush or urgency from a timeline perspective, we also were able to um, reference other records, other bands that we were big fans of in ways that we had in the past. So, you know, I really, I really love listening to records on headphones. I love that I can hear a song for the, 500th time and hear something new, you know, like, Oh, there's something in the background I've never noticed before, but if it wasn't there, the song wouldn't sound as good. And now that I hear it, it stands out. And so we wanted to do some of that. So we started referencing like, you know, Jimmy Eat world or um, quicksand was another reference that we had going into the record where production wise, we started like really listening to things like, Oh, there's like, there's some keys in there. There's some weird synth in there. There's some weird like percussion elements or the guitars there's like five guitar tracks where we would have never done that in the past. We would have only wanted to record something that we could replicate live or something that we had written in a live setting. So this gave us an opportunity to just like experiment, to try new things and try new textures, try new vocal um, performances. You know, like typically I would write lyrics as I'm playing the song in the practice space. So I'm comfortable playing and singing at the same time. And it was, it was, I didn't even have to think about it with this, the way we were making the record. It wasn't until the record was done that we knew what the sound songs were going to sound like, or we're going to, what the songs would end up being. And it wasn't for a couple months when we tried to actually, we, we had shows booked and we were like, okay, well now we've got to figure out how to play these songs. And it was, that was the first time that any of us got in a room together and actually played the songs together. So we had to kind of learn everything differently too. It wasn't like we practiced, we learned the songs, we then recorded them. It was, we created this thing, these songs in the studio. Now I've got to figure out, okay, can I actually sing that and play that at the same time? Well, I played three different guitar tracks. Which one am I going to play or which combination of parts am I going to put into the song to do it live and do it justice? So it became this cool, like experiment making the record. It then became a cool experiment trying to figure out how to play the record live. And some songs we we decided like, oh, I don't, I don't think we can do that one because there's just too much going on or I don't have the ability to sing and play that at the same time. Or maybe we have to get a third guitar player so that I don't have to play and see like it just became this whole thing. Um, but the core, the majority of the songs were easy enough to 
to pull off. Um, and I think we've played most of them. We've played all, but maybe two or three of the songs live at some point now, but yeah, it was super fun. So we, you know, we just, we gave ourselves time. We gave ourselves the opportunity to experiment, to explore things we hadn't done in the past. And I think the result of that is, I know every band says this about their newest record being the best one, but I think this one, looking back, like if this record hadn't been made, I would have felt like the band hadn't done something it should have, you know? And and now I feel like, okay, we've, we've made that record that had this record been made 20 years ago, I think it, we would have a completely different story, but I'm super proud of the record we made. I'm super excited by the reaction, the response to the record that we made. It definitely sounds to me. And I think to, to people that I've talked to you, there's an evolution there. American heart, reckless and wild, beats like a cold black chord chain through you and me. And there's a promise of hope. It says, don't you be scared, son. Life here is a good one for your born to be free. Can you feel it slipping away? So in September, we released a record with a label called DC, DCPC. I think there's an X in there, but I don't think it's, yeah, DCPC. Um, they only do live records. Scott from DCPC reached out saying, hey, like my label only does limited run live records on vinyl. We'd love to put out one of those live shows that you just released. And so there was one, I think it was from 2018, uh, we did a full band acoustic show and 
which was something we'd never done in like a in like a big club setting. We were opening up for Face to Face, who was on a, a tour where they were doing full band acoustic shows, and we wanted to take advantage of that and do a full band live acoustic performance. But we wanted to bring some of those elements from our past playing like the singer songwriter stuff in as well. So instead of Amberetta as a four piece doing a live acoustic show, it was six or seven of us. We brought in a pedal steel player, a fiddle player. You know, I was playing banjo on a couple of songs. We brought in someone to play uh, piano and keys. And because of that, we knew we'd probably never do it again. We recorded it and the live record's pretty awesome. Um, something we were really proud of and after the fact. So that was, that was the one we chose. So that record is called like a riot. It's um, it's a live record, full band acoustic, but it's kind of reimagining all of our songs and putting more of a alt country type of twist on them. So we do have a new EP coming out on December 2nd. It's going to be a band camp exclusive EP, at least for the first 30 days through the end of the year. Um, it's a record called in recovery and it's a split record with a split EP with our friends, a Nashville band called the blacklist Royals. A hundred percent of the sales are going to be donated to a um, nonprofit organization called learn to cope and what they do. And they've actually been helping me out quite a lot. What they do is they provide services and resources for friends and family members who are dealing with a loved one's addiction. So there's tons of organizations, you know, offering support for addicts, for people who need to go to recovery. But I think what often gets overlooked is those people also leave a large number of people in their wake, you know, like people that if anyone out there who's, you know, experienced the addiction of a friend or a loved one knows what I'm talking about, but it's the pain and the trauma. Like I didn't even realize having one of my best friends, you know, who I knew had a problem with alcohol, who I knew was an addict, um, but who for whatever reason, didn't want to change their lives or didn't want to, didn't want to go into recovery themselves. It wasn't until very recently that I started to realize like, okay, well, there's a lot of trauma that I'm now dealing with as a result of that. Not only like the emotional kind of physical trauma of it, of just being a friend and trying to be supportive, but then also kind of thinking back over the years of like, okay, there's a, there's an extreme amount of guilt that I feel because I was around this person or drinking alongside of them. And, and, you know, so am I now part of the problem? Am I now enabling their addiction? Um, and the truth is no, it's, it was not my fault and nothing that I did wrong to, to have that happen. But it's a, it's a, it's a service like learn to cope that has actually helped me kind of unpack all of that trauma, unpack that guilt and actually provide perspective for me to really understand like, Hey man, it's not your fault that this person has this addiction. It's not your doing. It's, you know, what they have done is actually impacted your life in a way that you need to now kind of deal with on your own. So we wanted to put this record out. We we wanted to give back in a way um, that maybe we've not done in the past. We've always been a band, you know, who supported causes and donated a lot of our time and a lot of money you know, show money, record money, what have you to different causes. This was something that we wanted to own fully. And, and so learn to cope was um, top of the list for us. And so that record comes out December 2nd on Bandcamp. As far as the future, we don't have any big plans. You know, I'd love to, we're talking to a few bands now, you know, old friends 
about doing some support slots on some tours next year. So maybe, maybe we'll get to hit the road in a way that we haven't in a decade or more. Jeopardy, right? So typically uh they're kind of wordy and um wordy and clever questions or that I have to read to you, but uh I, I didn't get so clever last night while making this. So um do they have to phrase it in a question or can we let that go? Because I screw I kind of screwed up with my with my wording. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a question, right? I mean, what, what are we gonna do if they get don't frame? I mean, every the, every the answer is formed in a question, so Oh, then fuck it then. All right, all right. It's really just a board, you know? It's like, it looks like a pretty little Jeopardy thing, and somebody's yeah. going to be doing impressions of um, uh, Sean Connery in the background or something, you know? So the return champion, we got Michael Kane from uh, The Morning Afters. Mike, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I recently acquired um, an Oculus VR headset, right? And I got a subscription to the... Porn baseball up? to the baseball simulator game and okay. i hit nine home runs off a little leaguer named carson today so i'm feeling pretty good about myself nine nine home runs and he's nine years old i he's 11 okay good he's, good. he's wait, a left wait. he's a lefty though but i took him deep nine times out of 60 pitches so wait what so does that like you can play online with that thing no no you wear the headset and you have a bat that the controller um like velcros onto the bat and you swing it like you're playing baseball so you're playing against a simulated nine-year-old or is there a nine-year-old pitching at you from no it's a simulated nine-year-old oh man that seems yeah. worse you might want to yeah let's change the subject here before we get some <laughs> creep of being like a simulated nine-year-old yeah. <laughs> chris hansen enters the chat yeah. <laughs> hope matt gates isn't listening right now he's probably fucking ordering that game <laughs> danny Cotty, all the way from los angeles Yes, uh, doing well. Um, I ate Cambodian chicken wings today, uh, which was nice. I felt like I was home in Lowell. And then uh, right now I'm just enjoying this non-alcoholic West Coast IPA because it's dry January. It's really good. And he is enjoying it. What, why does Cambodian chicken wings remind you of Lowell? Because uh, Lowell has a, the second highest population density of Southeast Asians in the United States. Uh-huh. And I grew up there. Nice. So Lowell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Jen, what do you got to add? Um, you know, fucking nothing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> how was that? How was that barbecue yesterday? Oh yeah, that was actually fucking fire. It was good. Um I actually used to work for the chef that was running it, so I knew everybody there and um they hooked it the fuck up. I didn't pay for shit. And it's quality food for free, so can't how, complain. How long did you have to wait? Two and a half hours. <laughs> That's some serious shit right there. Yeah, That's man. High demand fucking barbecue right there. It must have been yeah. good though, right? Yeah, well, it was worth it, honestly. Would you have? I'd fucking go again. I drove 40, 40 miles for it, so I'm going to do it again. <laughs> would you, what'd you have? What was on the menu? 
Um, they had brisket, ribs. They had like um, maple bourbon bread pudding. I got a bunch of desserts and shit too. Damn. Um, you know, mac and cheese, black eyed peas. Mm. Good shit. That sounds, that sounds good. Do they have any Cambodian wings? Nah. They okay. had hot fried chicken breast, though. <laughs> All right. Oh, Hell yeah. Well, Trev, let's get to it then. Yeah. All right. The, the <laughs> game. The game is uh, rock and roll Jeopardy, and tonight our um. Do this. Tonight, our categories are. Wow! I never saw the board before. Okay, Boomer, classic rock um, questions. You from Boston? Hey, how's your mother, kid? Everything in this category was a band from Boston. And we kept the uh, Do You Even Punk, bro? That's the um, the gatekeeping punk rock questionnaires. So let me see if I can blow this up. Which all right. So I can see all three of them. And right, cool. we'll, Mike will go with the first one since he's the returning champion. Returning right? champion gets to pick the first. Yes. All right, I'm going to go with OK Boomer for 300. In a conversation with Stephen Colbert in 2021, Bruce Springsteen named this song as the one song he'd listen to for the rest of his life. Do we lose points for incorrect answers? Yes. Yes. Oh, we do. Shit. Okay. Anybody? I should have gotten my timer out. Hold on. We're on Four, delay. Three, two, one. Beep, 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 beep. Okay. All right. The answer is, what is Summer Wind from Frank Sinatra? Yeah. Just because Bruce makes good songs doesn't mean he's got good taste. It's yeah. Summer Wind's- <laughs> I was going to go with Mba. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you got that one wrong. I mean, you didn't get it wrong, but you didn't know one. You no know one answered. So, um. Here, I gotta move this thing out of the way. Do you want me to pick again, or you want somebody else to go? Uh Danny, pick one. Uh, do you even punk bro for five hundred? Since it's already highlighted. Oh, right. shit. Trying to make you not have to move the. Cursor. Bad brains, descendants, meat puppets, black flag, and Husker do all released records through which iconic punk label started by black flag guitarist Greg Ginn. Okay, Danny was first. Danny, uh, what is SST? Yes. Oh, I didn't even put what is on that one. I suck. <laughs> All right, Danny, you're in the lead. You get to pick the uh, the next one. Uh, let's do uh, How's Your Mother Kid for 200, please. This Boston band was the first band to ever play on stage at Moe's Tavern in the Simpson universe. Danny? Who, who is Aerosmith? Who are Aerosmith? Got to be, right? Um, yeah who are Anna? oh you're killing it tonight danny good good job uh let's do okay boomer for 500 before flogging molly dave king was once the singer of this 80s hair metal band as mike uh fast way say it. how are you gonna say uh, it? what is, what is fast way who is fast way 
Bam. Oh, I fucked that one up too. I was going to say Speedway. But... <laughs> That's amazing. I, I didn't know that. That's great. That's a great I can picture movie. the album cover, the checkered album cover. Yeah, yeah. You know how I found that? And I knew Fastway. And I, you know how I found that out, though? Aria Rad told me uh, one <laughs> night. I was like, really? He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll do um, OK Boomer for 200. Legend has it while drinking at Trident, the San Francisco bar, this UK band was given a round of tequila sunrises, which resulted in the popularization of the cocktail. Five, four, three, two, one. Nobody? No one. Who are the Rolling Stones? They actually made a tour called something. uh, Was it cocaine and... The tour was called like cocaine and tequila. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> we can just call the tour cocaine. That's fine. Okay, Jen, your turn. Jen, get oh, you get the pick. Um, you from Boston for one hundred. This Boston band played the last show ever at the Avalon. I don't know. <laughs> hey, it's got to be Shamrocks, right? So we lose points for wrong answers, right? Yes. All right. <laughs> Who are the Dropkick Murphys? <laughs> and that was the easiest question on the board. So right. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard for me to picture them at Avalon for some reason. I don't know why. For some reason, I was going to go Boston's because I pictured it like the end of a year thing. Mm. So. Well, that would have been wrong. Okay, next. <laughs> Mike, um, do you want to pick one now? Yeah, uh, Boston for 300. Wicked. Kid. This Boston band had four top 10 hits between 1981 and 1985. Danny Connie was first. Who are the cars? Who are the cars? Danny came to play tonight. <laughs> All right, Danny. Uh, okay, Boomer for 400. Researchers at the University of South Australia have found that playing this ACDC song during chemotherapy treatment is effective at improving the efficiency of the drug. Anybody? Incorrect answers only. Incorrect answers, Mistress for Christmas. What is Thunderstruck? <laughs> wow, that's actually really interesting. It was a pretty interesting uh, article that I was that I was reading. Huh. It was it was the way I don't know. So yeah, I don't want to try to quote it again, but it was definitely <laughs> definitely. If you could find that in that uh, article, it's pretty cool. All right, Jen, you pick one. Um. Okay, Boomer for a hundred. This old man pulled his music from Spotify for not only political morality, but due to the low quality sound that streaming giant uses. Mike got to stand up first. Who is Neil Young? Who is Neil Young? (laughs) All right. Uh, Can I do? uh, Did we really go through three, three Boston ones already? Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Let's do Boston for 400. Wicked. This Boston band appeared and performed in the 1995 film Clueless. That was Danny first. Who are the Mighty Mighty Boston's? Who are the Mighty Mighty Boston's? You might be wondering. Where are the Mighty Mighty Boston's? Yes. That is All right, Danny. Uh, do you even punk row for 100? This punk rock frontman starred and stole the screen in the film The Chase. Mike. Uh, who is Henry Rollins? Yes. Jesus Christ. Jen, you need to make a comeback here and smash these students' faces um, in. I don't see it happening, man. <laughs> if you sweep the rest of these questions, it happens. Uh, uh, oh, do I go? Because I got to write. Is that yes, that works? Uh, punk bro for 400. Skelly is the iconic mascot of this band. Mike. Uh, who is Social Distortion? Yes. All right. Mike. Uh, punk Bro for 200. This American punk rock band were, were permanently banned from SNL after being booked by John Belushi. I think it was Danny first there. Who are Fear? Yes. I wrote was. I'm such an asshole. Oh, actually, they still exist. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know I, that. I'm I was, like, was going to like, I was going to be like, I kind of got it wrong, but actually they technically exist. No, they, they definitely are still. I think I just saw something about them doing something pretty soon here. Well, they were fair that night as well. <laughs> so anyway. they were what? They were, they were fair then too. So was, wasn't necessarily wrong. True, true, true. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Danny. Um, uh, mother kid for 500. This Boston based band's original name was Nanook, named after the dog in the film The Lost Boys. Mm-mm-mm. You guys are gonna love this one. Who are the new kids on the block? <laughs> I thought I was going to go with Extreme, so I'm glad I didn't. Extreme were called in the pink. Um, were they? Well, they, that was the name of like a band that had several of them before they broke up and then Extreme got together. It's kind of like an offshoot band. But uh, I'm glad nobody knew the answer to the new kids on the block. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the way, the way the question was labeled, Boston-based band. I mean, oh, now we're gonna get into this. Huh? Do we consider them a band, though? I mean, <laughs> they're a on. boy band. They're they were the first boy band. All right. You never Why heard it. You want to argue Al versus Mike? You never heard. You never heard Jordan Jordan play Thunderstruck. It's it's pretty it's pretty impressive. It's actually it's cured cancer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. We got the last one. You guys ready? Yes. This California punk band's original name was Sweet Children. That was Mike. Who is Green Day? Who is Green Day? Whoa. <laughs> so, um, Danny, I'm sorry. That's how it happens. It happened I'm sorry. Last time, same thing. I started strong and Mike crept up on me. It's just how it's, life's not fair. You know? <laughs> Jen, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize, Jen. 
She played it conservatively because she didn't want to go into the negative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, Mike, next time we do a Jeopardy game, you're going to have to come back. Um, I guess. Yeah. Congr- <laughs> congr- congratulations, Mr. Kane. Thanks. The fucking guy knows everything. Yeah, he, he really does. Well, what was that last game we played? The it number game? It was this, but it just was a lot. No, wild. no, last month. Um, no, we did um like uh asshole or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did asshole. Yeah, you're gonna our uh, bullshit, bullshit. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna have to have Mark and Mike go against each other in bullshit. Oh, nice. At some point, so. Uh, I mean, next time we play this, aren't you gonna put the ska category back on? I was a little bummed not to see that up on the board today. <laughs> First encounters of the third wave, Scott. Yeah, I thought about it. Now, we'll have um, I, I'm I'm gonna try to do different ones, but yeah, there'll be some repeats because it's uh, it's um, you know, it's, it's tough to make these things, but we did it. We made it. We made it to the end. Um, thank we'll you. We'll do like um, next time we'll do like scan hardly wait, and it'll be questions about Scott and or the replacements. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, thank you to the contestants for um for playing uh the get punk rock and roll jeopardy thank you to mark for um i didn't do anything being yeah you were like the eye in the sky you were, I showed up <laughs> i almost didn't show up <laughs> uh guys what what do we have going on what's going on in your world that's coming up anything i ain't got nothing danny does yeah i got a new record coming out this week on uh on uh, Friday the thirteenth, my new record comes out, and uh, that's a good sign. Tuesday, this Tuesday, I think we're going to launch the pre pre order for uh, vinyl, which comes out on Valentine's Day. Hey, uh, so yeah, very excited. Awesome, awesome. Michael Kane, um, no, go go uh, pre order Danny's record. No, that's you're not. Got. You're not doing anything in Rhode Island this month. <laughs> When is this? When is this coming out? In time for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, yeah, I'm doing a solo um, thing uh, with Treb in Rhode Island on the 29th of January. 28th. It, it, 28th, whatever the Saturday is. I don't know. Uh, you are awful at this. <laughs> you want me to do it? I'll do I it. can so- answer. I can answer all your questions <laughs> if you have them. I'm going to show up that night with a bunch of rock and roll trivia questions and raise my hand. You should. I feel very comfortable. I'll throw them at you like rapid fire. That'd be Mm -hmm. awesome. That'd be awesome. All right. Mark, what do you got going on? Well, let's see. I got work this week. And, um, oh, we got the, well, Danny's record is going to go on sale. And um, that's about it. Yeah. How about you, Trev? What do you got going on? Uh, Saturday, January 28th in Westerly, Rhode Island at the United Theater at 7 p.m. It is an evening with Michael Caine. Um, music, storytelling. It should be a good time as long as Mike remembers what day it is. I hope he shows up. Me too. I, might I mean, he, to, he, he might pull the Evandando thing and not show up. <clears throat> I'll just bring him. I'll have to bring him. I mean, I got all my guitars set up and worked on, so they're not going out of tune. So there you go. That's a big step forward. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, I guess that's it for uh, this uh, this game segment. I guess we can get out of here. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. See you later. Bye, kids. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you all for listening to this month's episode of the Get Punk Podcast. This show was created by Mark Lind, also hosted by Mark Lind. I, Trev Allen, produce the show and also co-host. Chris Chavez writes and produces the news. Thank you to special guest Rob Huddleston for being this month's uh, feature artist and allowing us to use songs from his band and Beretta. And as always, thank you to Art Thieves for letting us use their song, The Untouchables, off their album, Russian Rats. We'll see you all next month. <laughs>